0: All systems go. You've
1: been a very good boy.
0: Look! Just a flesh wound. that dares to go where there and you don't know rich here's your host rich hey rich here and welcome to another edition of you don't know rich so as you know i uh, record these podcasts from my parents basement and i'm uh, i'm trying to to get out of here that's where i live in my parents basement and they're you know they don't want me to be here much longer so uh I am looking for a new place to record, and as I mentioned in my last episode, I uh, think the perfect place would be the old Elmhurst Memorial Hospital Cupola. I just haven't found it yet. In my last episode, I went and looked at the new hospital. I could not find anybody at the new hospital that knew anything about it. So I'm I'm continuing to work on that and uh, look for updates in my upcoming episodes as I continue my quest to find that cupola so that I can record from there uh, in the future. Today I'm recording on February 24th, 2019. want to give you a few hints as to some fun events coming up in our area. Uh, one thing you might want to check out is some of the music, the live music that we have in town at various establishments. The Elmhurst Brewing Company has live music on Thursday nights. You can check uh, elmhurstbrewingcompany.com or call 630 834 Brew for more information on who's actually playing on a given night. The Elmhurst American Legion post has entertainment pretty much every Friday night after their fish fry. The fish fry is every Friday from six until eight thirty. Most of the shows start at seven thirty. Coming up on March fifteenth, a band Roxanne plays a variety of uh, rock music uh, that starts at seven thirty. March twenty second, Swing Forward plays. That's some soft jazz music. And on March 29th, Dave Majestic, all those start at 7.30 the next several weeks at the Elmhurst American Legion Post. That's at 310 West Butterfield. Our big parade's coming up on March 9th, kicks off at noon on Spring Road. And for more information on that, you can go to elmhurststpatsparade.com. Also on Parade Day, which again is March 9th, at 2 p.m., Uh, At Spring Inn, a really great act, the Wheatland Brothers. Many of you may know the Wheatlands. Uh, They're uh, very talented gentlemen that grew up here in Elmhurst. They're not so young anymore, but uh, they're my age, of course. Um, Anyway, they're very talented. They'll be playing at Spring Inn starting at 2 o'clock on Parade Day, which, again, is March 9th. Uh, The Elmhurst Children's Assistance Foundation has their Night on Bourbon Street 25-year gala coming up on Saturday, April 13th at 7 p.m. at River Forest Country Club. Tickets are available for $125 each. And uh, there's an open bar that night, classic New Orleans Fair and live music. That'll be a great time to help them celebrate 25 years of serving our community. For more information on that event, you can go to ecaf4kids.org. That's E-C-A-F, numeral 4, kids.org. The Elmhurst History Museum has an exhibit uh, that's uh, there until March 17th called Heart's Desire Reflections on Love and Marriage. They're sponsoring a Lincoln Douglas debate reenactment. Uh, Lincoln and Douglas uh, engaged in a series of seven debates in the 1850s leading up to uh, what was eventually Abraham Lincoln's election as President of the United States. So, Sunday. March 31st from 2 to 3 p.m check out elmhursthistory.org for more information. And I like to try to give a plug for some uh, places in town that some of you may not have checked out yet and one of those is at the Elmhurst Public Library and it's the Makery and it's a space down in the lower level, the basement so to speak. I know that's not a politically correct term. It's a garden level. How about that? Uh, it's open uh, every day but Monday. There's all kinds of neat things in there to help you design, collaborate, create uh, using uh, tools and technology that's available down there, and it's a great space. There are button makers, poster printers, knitting machines, 3D printers, a t-shirt press, laser cutters, uh, CNC machines, Dremel tools, embroidery machines, all kinds of hand tools, screwdrivers, all the above. check out elmhurstpubliclibrary.org. I'd really suggest you go check that out if you haven't. They also have the uh, Library of Extraordinary Things over at the Elmhurst Public Library. It's really neat. You can rent or check out, so to speak, as if it were a book. Turntables, kitchen tools, phone chargers, Wi-Fi hotspots, games, sewing machines, projectors, all kinds of neat things. And that that's just a very small list. There's many things on that list. So Check them out at the Elmhurst Public Library and those uh, extraordinary things are available right at the front checkout desk. So again, elmhurstpubliclibrary.org, check it out. Today we're uh, in our series of uh, veterans from the Elmhurst American Legion post uh, THB 187. We are uh, helping them celebrate 100 years serving Elmhurst and the veterans of the area and today's guest is a member of the Post. His name's Kevin Calkins. Kevin uh, lives here in Elmhurst and served in the United States Army during Vietnam. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. So tell me, Kevin, where did you grow
1: up? I grew up in the on
0: the west side of Chicago
1: in the Austin area.
0: Okay, and uh, how long did you live there?
1: I lived there for about 28 years and then my wife and I, in 1974, bought our first house in Elmhurst.
0: And uh, where'd you go to high school? I went to St. Patrick High School in Chicago. And uh, we we talked before the show, and you mentioned that you got that letter in the mail back in the late 60s from the uh, Selective Service. So tell me a little bit about uh, receiving that uh, that letter and how you felt about it.
1: Well, that was my draft notice. Uh, and they preface it by saying greetings. That's why I was showing it to you. It's kind of a... Kind of a humorous uh, preference that we all used to use. But anyway, um, I graduated in high school in 67, June of 67, and I was drafted in January of 68. I was 18 years old.
0: What were you doing between the time you graduated from high school and you got the draft notice?
1: I was working. I was not in school. If I had been in school, college, uh, I would have had a 2S deferment and I would not have been drafted. But uh, college wasn't for me, and I knew I was going to be drafted, and uh, I was okay with that.
0: And uh, if you hadn't been drafted, would you have enlisted? Or you know? Yes, I probably would have, yeah. So tell me about uh, day one. So you go report. Uh, where do you go from there?
1: Well, I just went uh, my actual day of taking the oath was the same day as my physical because I, was, I had pushed my draft up. So day one, I went down to 600 West Van Buren, had a physical, uh, along with hundreds of other guys, and then if you passed your physical, you took the oath right there, and I was on a bus down to Fort Campbell, Kentucky that evening for basic training.
0: And how long were you at Fort Campbell?
1: Basic training was 12 weeks.
0: And then uh, you're, you you uh, obviously after basic training you you train in a specialty. So what was your specialty or your MOS at that yes. point?
1: Yes. After basic infantry training, uh, you were assigned an MOS, a military occupation, and mine was an artillery surveyor.
0: Did you have any choice in that, or was that just no? Cawkins, you're you're going to be an artillery yes, surveyor, yes. Or one of those. Yeah,
1: you, know, you were tested for stuff, um, but I don't know. Back in '68, there were so many guys. I don't know how extensive. Uh, um, I mean, I saw college graduates in the infantry, college graduates in mm. the artillery. So uh, I'm sure some of their MOS were based on their education. But me, having no college, just being high school, uh, I was just randomly picked uh, to be an artillery surveyor.
0: And where did you uh, get that training to be an artillery surveyor?
1: I went from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. That's the artillery center for Bus, the Army train,
0: Storm. both? Um, I flew. Okay. I, I, well,
1: geez, I... Yeah, we flew from. Um, I forgot
0: all about those airplanes.
1: Yeah, we uh, we flew from uh, Clarksville, Tennessee. There's a Clarksville, Kentucky. Fort Campbell's half of it's in Tennessee, half of it's in Kentucky. And it was all 50 years. It was kind of a blur to me, but we flew to Fort uh, Sill, Oklahoma, and I started training as an artillery surveyor school and training. And,
0: and how long did that school take?
1: That school was three months.
0: Okay. And then so 3 months are over you're an artillery surveyor, correct? Yeah. And uh, what happened then?
1: Uh after a 30-day leave I was shipped off to Vietnam.
0: Okay. So so tell me about where you uh where you were stationed in Vietnam and uh, yeah. where you started at least in Vietnam. Sure.
1: Uh when I got to Vietnam we uh the um the new the newcomers center that's what i'll call it i forget the military name for it we landed in a place called quinyan up in the central highlands and i was assigned to first field force it's an artillery uh, battalion actually it's an r- artillery division and my battalion was the 7th battalion 13th field artillery part of first field forces anyway our area of deployment was central highlands in vietnam it would be um um there was I Corps. Two-core, three-core, four-core. I was in two-core up in the Central
0: Highlands, in the mountains. And do you, you kind of ease into what you're going to do, or do they just kind of no. put you in, hey, you're it, pal?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, see, Vietnam, it was a war where guys were on 13- or 12-month rotations, so new guys were constantly coming in, and uh, the guys who had been there a year were constantly leaving. So you you replace somebody immediately, you know.
0: And uh, how close were you to uh, when you first got there to the action, so to speak?
1: Well, at times I was in a nice, safe LZ or a base camp, and at other times we would be what you'd call out in the field.
0: And how far from the base camp was out in the field? You know, long ride or? Well,
1: it depends on how you. Um, what, what my job was as an artillery server was we'd go out and we would look for. Um, New locations to place our our guns, our our artillery guns, I should explain, were Howitzer 105s. It's a two-ton cannon, uh, has a a range of about seven miles. So we would have to find locations to put new guns, depending on enemy activity, where they were, what they were doing, if we could get at them. Our job was to uh, survey and plot out, find an azimuth and get coordinates to a new location to put guns. I think that's the best way to explain, it. so we'd go out uh, we'd go out by helicopter most of the time, okay and we'd have a uh, we'd have a platoon of infantry flanking us, keeping an eye on us, you know um, we would do our survey um, after everything was okay that sometimes immediately, if it was an immediate survey strike, they'd bring the guns right in we'd still be there when the guns were put in place and started what they call a fire mission, but most of the time we'd plot out our survey, get it back to headquarters and they would the higher-ups would decide whether to go ahead and place guns on that fire base or landing zone or not so okay. we, we'd be back in the rear area most of the time after we were out in the field
0: and how uh, how often when you were in vietnam did you hear enemy fire oh a lot really
1: yeah yeah even if you were in a base camp uh, a lot of the base camps were hit with rocket and mortar fire in the evening uh, there was constant guard duty uh some LZs, landing zones, would get overrun. I was never on one that got overrun, but I was on ones where we were uh, attacked. Uh, and see, once you put those guns in a location, uh, the enemy knows they're there. And uh, it, it's uh, sometimes it's a, it's a bad magnet. You know, they're trying right. to take those guns out. And that's what the rocket and the mortar fire would come in, trying to disable some of those guns. Sometimes they did it.
0: And did those, uh, how often did the howitzer actually get destroyed? Very often, or?
1: In in my tour, I saw uh, I saw it happen twice. A um, couple of times we were attacked, but they didn't get to they didn't get to the uh, the infantry was great. I mean they were they'd go right after them and uh, and if they push them out far enough, we could have a fire mission and catch them running out. So,
0: so how often were you were you scared? Uh, 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 every day, every day, yeah, pretty much every minute of every day. Well, sometimes,
1: no. <laughs> not every minute, and I certainly wasn't a uh, uh, a combat hero or anything but you're you're exposed you know it's 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 on your mind it's it's there and you see the other guys who weren't as fortunate as you and uh so you know I just think well you know hope that's not going to be me next time you know
0: and you obviously lost some friends over there yeah I did I did
1: in fact uh you know the, like what this is I mean I was just a guy doing my job like like most of the but there were fi- over 58,000 guys that did not come home from that war and those were the heroes i mean uh, we got to, we were lucky we got to come home have our lives have our families have our jobs but those guys had never made it home I, the, the highlight of their lives might have been their senior high school prom i mean right you never forget that right i can imagine no
0: did you witness any acts of heroism um. Yes, or I at did. Least bravery, for that matter. Yeah, I did. I saw some infantry guys and special
1: forces guys that uh, went above and beyond. I saw a couple of Bronze Star recipients. Uh, I saw a Silver Star fella uh, do some of his. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. they were some of the bravest people you ever could be around.
0: And who, uh, from your experience, who made the best soldier? Like, what were their characteristics, or? What yep. where part of the country were they from, or what? Uh, yeah. Did they have anything in common?
1: Young. I okay. think the best soldiers were eighteen, nineteen-year-olds because okay. uh, we just didn't. Um, uh, not that I was the best, but um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer. I just think the younger guys, and w- it was mostly young guys over there. Um, yeah, we
0: sent our kids, right? Yeah, and you were yeah. one of them. Yeah, and uh,
1: most of the officers. I thought were pretty qualified, pretty good, but some were not. I'll did, just leave it at that. Did
0: you have any uh, guys that you were under their command that you really respected that yeah. were mentors, or and what were they like? You know
1: them? what, you didn't get to know the officers long enough because, like I say, it was a twelve-month rotation, and field officers uh, actually were on six-month rotations after their rank of, I think, second lieutenant maybe captain. So you, the enlisted men and the officers really didn't mixed very well or uh, very often in the field. You got to know them a little bit, but uh, yeah, then you'd come back. And the army, like all branches of service, I think they made a distinction of keeping officers in the EM um, kind of isolated from each other.
0: And you were uh, classified at least at one point during your services an E5. Yeah. Or a specialist fifth class, yep. which is the equivalent to a sergeant. Yeah. Um, How long did it take you to achieve that rank?
1: Um. Uh, the two years I was in the army, it took um, I would say 15 months. I'd say the last um, I don't know exactly the last five months of my tour, I was an E5. Uh, I went over there as an E4. And how long were you in Vietnam
0: altogether? Uh, 12 months and a day. <laughs> and did you? At what point did you know you were only going to be there a year? Like oh, at, as soon as you go, as soon so as you're, you're pretty pretty assured of that.
1: Oh yeah, that's that was the regulation tour of. Anybody going to Vietnam? A twelve-month tour. Early on, the Marine Corps was a thirteen-month tour,
0: okay. but I
1: went in 1968, and it was back to twelve months for the Marines too. So,
0: and did uh, and did some folks have to do more than one tour there? They come back for a while and go back?
1: Oh, some guys volunteered for second tours. Yeah, okay. some guys. Um, could
0: they could they force you to go on a second tour? I mean, no. did they do that generally? No, no.
1: no. And uh, guys who were wounded, and I was not wounded. Uh, anybody wounded over three times. Uh, <laughs> was sent home
0: so it sounds like you know between your basic training and your mos training and you said you had some leave you were probably in about seven months when you got sent over there. Is that sound about right or did i do my math right um somewhere in that range yes yeah, in january
1: no actually a little longer okay um, it was about nine months
0: okay I so don't... so then they send you back and you're not finished with your no
1: i was done i was done i had i had uh, less than if you had less than three months of active duty left on your hitch whether you were drafted or you enlisted if you had less than three months left when your 12 months was up overseas okay. you, you were discharged because of your overseas duty okay so and i had like two months left i got out about two months early actually
0: and then uh, what'd you do after you got out of the service
1: i became well i uh i was going to go to college and that didn't take long for me to realize that uh it wasn't for me so I got an apprenticeship in the local 134. I was an electrician for 41 years. IBEW.
0: And uh, and I know now you're retired. Yes, I am. Does that feel good? It feels great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well deserved rest. So you uh, obviously met a lot of guys uh, that you served with, and I assume they were mostly guys over in Vietnam. Tell me about the bond you have with them, and then uh, whether or not you've stayed in touch with them. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, super guys, guys. You, uh, you know, I'm I'm 70 years old and. Only one year of my life was Vietnam, but it's something you think about every day. Uh, I met guys there that uh, we still are very close, even though we hardly ever see each other. We have reunions occasionally. Uh, Actually, once a year, our our unit, our 7th Battalion, 13th Artillery has a reunion.
0: And how many guys does that entail or encompass? Well, the battalion
1: was in Vietnam for four years. Now, we were all there for one year stint, so there were guys ahead of me, after me, that I never met okay in vietnam but i've met him at reunions so it we get about a hundred strong with and then wives or you know spouses and uh it's um it's nice to get together we waited about 40 years before we ever had a reunion and then about 10 years ago this will be our 10th one coming up a fellow just had an idea of getting on get some emails and get some uh he put it together and the first one we had 10 years ago was in um chattanooga tennessee there were 18 of us there now we have one every year at different locations, and there's over a hundred that come. So it snowballed pretty well, guys. That's my point. Uh, you want to see these guys?
0: About yeah. Well, nobody else understands what you went through other than those guys. Yeah,
1: and it's it's hard to talk to people. I I don't usually talk about Vietnam to too many, I, but I can talk to guys who have been there very easily. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Sure. Well, you know, most of us can't understand what you went through. We, we... and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> well, but you know, we're we're grateful for what you went through. I we just that. we can just never understand it and that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast Thanks and uh, is yeah. uh highlighting uh some of you who served. Um so any regrets about your service? Like would you like to have stayed in longer or obviously you have regrets about the people you lost, but
1: Yeah, that's my main regret. Friends, uh no, I was ready to get out. i had had enough of uh you know, I was a young kid and I didn't realize till I got there what war was like. I was very disillusioned about war so uh when i saw the reality of it no that's not for me i uh every day bad things happen so uh, no i was ready to get out and uh, and i give credit to people who do stay in and uh but uh, i i would rather come back and have a life that i've had i think what I
0: um what aspect of your service makes you most proud
1: um oh well, gee just that i served i did i did my job you know I did what I was asked to do.
0: And how'd your family feel about your service? Your your folks and well, they didn't not, want to not see, see your me family go today, but
1: yeah, right. Um, well, they were, you know, they didn't like to see me go, especially at 18 years old. You're very young at 18. Uh, you think you know everything, uh, you don't. But they they were proud of what I did. You know, they were happy I got home okay. Sure.
0: You know, yeah. That was probably their biggest concern, wasn't
1: yeah. it? As all families were back then, they just wanted their. Sons and husbands home, you know.
0: Right. So your service brought you to be a member of the uh, Elmerst American Legion post. Were you ever a, a member of another post before this one?
1: Well, I'm a I'm a member of uh, Vietnam Veterans of America Chapter 242 out of Chicago, and I've been a member of them with them since they were formed in 1982. After the, um no, maybe it was eighty. Wonder we had the parade in Chicago, the Welcome Home Parade. It might have been eighty six. I'm not sure of the year, but we started Vietnam Veterans of America. A Chicago chapter. So I've been a member there and I'm active there too. I'm pretty active with them too. But I've been at the American Legion for uh about thirty years here in Elmhurst, yeah.
0: Okay. And uh you enjoy that obviously. Oh sure. Great people.
1: They yeah. do a great job.
0: What do you get out of that membership and what what makes you feel good about it?
1: Just uh so it's more of a social thing for me. I don't uh, not looking for anything out of it. Just uh, it's a, it's a social place where you can uh, uh, be with
0: friends. I have a lot of friends there. You know. Have you met some folks that served at other times that you know other than Vietnam?
1: Oh sure, World War Two guys, Korean guys. Um, heck, when I first joined the post, there were a couple of World War One guys still. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there were. Yeah, and very of, of a whole lot of World War Two fellas. Most of them are. There's not too many of them left. You know.
0: I know that, uh, you know, we talked with Commander Scudder in the last show, and he mentioned there's just a handful of the World War IIs left and maybe 15 or so Korean War vets Mm -hmm. left. So uh, it sounds like the lion's share is Vietnam-era vets and and some.
1: Yeah, we could use some more. You can always use some more. And there's an auxiliary of uh, non-veterans who are part of the American Legion. Thank God for them because they bring our numbers up. But, you know, there's other other veteran organizations that some guys, you know, VFW, Uh, there's there's other organizations that some fellows join some fellows join their their unit uh, chapter and they have their own their own association i guess is the word there were pretty big units in vietnam like well marine corps units have a lot of their own personal associations in the army the first cab and a lot of the airborne units have their own associations that guys are involved there Mm -hmm.
0: too you know so i know that um you were uh, you were kind of the catalyst behind getting our uh, Vietnam Memorial here in Elmhurst refurbished and and tell us a little bit about the history of that memorial, sure, and how it kind of got lost and nobody knew about it.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I mean, a lot of us didn't even know it was there. It was it was it was a plaque in the ground. It was placed there in eighty. Oh, I gotta get my memory going here. Whatever year we had the traveling wall come to Wilder Park. Okay.
0: Maybe you wouldn't I don't remember the exact. Yeah, I don't either. But it was '80s. It
1: was '80s. Anyway, it was on the ground. And what it is is the names of 14 Elmer's residents who died in Vietnam um, during the war. And uh, over the years, it was getting uh, getting kind of beat up. It's just a it's a brass plaque with the names, Mm -hmm. uh, the date, the KIA, the Killed in Action date, and stuff like that. And it was
0: actually it was kind of hard to see, right? It was very hard to see, half grown over or whatever. Yeah,
1: and. they had planted a nice tree um, behind it, and uh, the tree is still there. And uh, Anyway, I just had an idea. Why don't we get this thing up up off the ground? You know, It had been shipped by landscapers and weather. and uh, mm-hmm. So um, I just went to the city council, and I said, uh, how about if uh, uh, I can't exactly, I don't know exactly how we did it. I, I just approached them and said, I'd like to uh, raise it, maybe put it on a uh, piece of granite, piece mm-hmm. of marble or granite. And they said, well, uh, it's going to cost such and such amount of money. Uh, go for it. I said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try. So I did. I just got a bunch of people. People of it were great. I mean, uh, all over the community, non-veterans, uh, veterans, uh, uh, businesses, banks, Elmer's College. Uh,
0: oh, my God, the library. What did it cost overall to get that?
1: It was $10,000. $10, we wow. got a piece of granite. Not a small Proust. project. No, but boy with the help we had it was it was not hard to do and I didn't do it all alone people everybody helped it was
0: No, oh, but you were at the center of it I know Yeah, got so, it
1: going but uh it just snowballed. It was a great uh, people got behind
0: it. And so. then in one one was that that you got that that We re- dedicated, uh, dedicated it, it,
1: it? on uh, Veterans Day of um 17. Okay. Maybe 16.
0: It's been it's been 2 or 3 two years. 2 or 3 yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We
1: were uh we were either going to, it depended on how, how the money came in, you know. And when right. we went to Troost, um uh, Monument, company? Monument, and they were, they were wonderful. So it kind of depended on when they could, uh, you know, a hole had to be dug, and footings had to be put in, concrete poured. And uh, so it coincided with
0: uh, that year's Veterans Day
1: rather than Memorial Day. So we did it then.
0: And how far is it from where it was in the ground? Right, the same right spot. The same, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's directly east of the the main veterans memorial i think yes. in the park right so and just
1: west of cottage hill okay um right near the uh just south of the playground a little bit there by the picnic area just west of the picnic in, in area. north
0: right. of the the museum there or uh, the uh rock uh, museum yes kind just
1: of? just north of there, area yeah. okay. and now we have a light on it the park district was great I, uh last year i asked them to can we light this thing up at night and uh Boom, they just they didn't even want us to raise any money for that. They said, Yeah, we'd be glad. And they did. So you can see it at night pretty nicely now with the with the light on it. It's very right. nice, yeah.
0: Well, right. uh, you know, I'm sure you're pretty proud of that and your uh, Vietnam brothers are too. So uh Oh yeah. yeah. That that was a great thing. And it and then you got a little honor from that, uh at uh, Dan Gibbons turkey trot. Was that year before last or was it this past year? Uh, that was two years ago. Okay. Danny
1: Danny asked me to be the official starter. So uh I thought, okay.
0: <laughs> That's pretty neat, isn't <laughs> it? It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. So Everybody's what's the view in... like from up there on yeah, that like uh, platform? Yeah,
1: like you're some kind of celebrity or something. Was, <laughs> uh, no, it was very nice of Dan to uh, ask me to do that.
0: So tell me uh, just a little bit about your family, your wife, your kids, grandkids.
1: Well, I, my wife, Mary Ann, works at Community Bank. Uh, she's been here a long time. She, we have uh, two children, two daughters, uh, Caroline is uh, 41 years old, married with two kids in Lombard. Her husband Ross, and then my other daughter Sarah, 40 years old, is married to um, her husband Joe, and they have uh, a son and a daughter. So we have four grandkids.
0: Great, and, and lucky for you, you did not see your wife's age. Oh no,
1: smart no. man. No, very I very smart man.
0: I I know when to draw the line. <laughs> yeah. She's well, a lot younger than me. She a lot younger. Yeah. Well, Kevin, uh, really enjoyed this. Thanks for spending a little bit of time uh, with us. And uh, also, thank you for your service to the United States Army and thanks. to the people.
1: Thank you for what you're doing for the Legion. Oh, thanks, thank you very Kevin. Much.
0: Enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you, Pike. You Don't Know is a Fat Man Networks production and brought to you by the good folks at the Tapeworm Weight Loss Institute. Who needs to diet when there's tapeworms?